Wilson. Scrambling. Got to take off. And head to the end zone with a dive. And he's in for a Seahawks lead. You're listening to BetQL Daily, presented by FanDuel Sportsbook, with Joe Ostrowski, Joe Giglio, and Aaron Hawksworth from BetQL. Hello, Joe G, Aaron Hawksworth here on a Wednesday morning as we get set for the NL wildcard game tonight. The Dodgers and the Cardinals, it is Scherzer, it is Wainwright. We'll have our uh, our full picks and thoughts on the game, props, everything we have. Um, and can we last night? Probably not. I mean, Paul Aspen's getting more followers here. He's getting thank yous from listeners for his uh, his home run prop parlay with Schwarber and Rizzo. So we'll give out our thoughts on the uh, the game tonight coming up in a little bit. And, uh, and all our thoughts on, on our place tonight. But right now, we got to go out to our Roman guest line. And joining us is Paul Gallant. He is the host of, Paul, of the Gallant Says podcast. And uh, he's got a lot of thoughts on the NFC West, the Seahawks, the Rams coming up tomorrow night. Paul, let's start here. Seahawks, Rams tomorrow night. Seahawks coming off a significant win for them. They were one and two. They go to San Francisco. They pull it out. They beat the Niners. They even their record. Can we talk about Russell Wilson to start here? I feel like he's having the most under talked about excellent start to a season here. Best passer rating in the NFL, no interceptions. Um, what are your eyes telling you on Russell Wilson? He's, he still seems like he's the best quarterback we don't talk much about. Uh, this has happened the last two years. The start of the last two seasons, he has looked like the best quarterback in the NFL. And now this year, here he goes again, doing the exact same thing. He's got nine touchdowns. He's got zero interceptions. There have been some moments where you would – want him to, I think, be a little bit more safe and stop going for the big plays, which he seems to be so addicted to. Maybe take some of the safer plays. I would specifically point to the loss against Tennessee, the loss against Minnesota, a couple of examples of that. But yeah, he's the reason that this team is 2-2 and right now, because they've got a lot of questions about, first off, the defense, and second, the offensive line, which he was raising some questions about this offseason, and I'm not going to lie, was making me roll my eyes a whole lot. <laughs> so it feels like nothing's changing. You, you get the new offensive coordinator. <laughs> Russ is still miraculous at times. The offensive line's still an issue, and we have questions on defense, right? How is the defense holding up? Because that was a huge story last year. They were scoring points in the first half, couldn't stop anybody, historically bad, but they did get it together in the defensive end in the second half. Second half of the year, though, if you take a look at who they were going up against, they were going up against a bunch of, to be perfectly honest, scrub quarterbacks. I mean, the best quarterbacks they went up against were Kyler Murray with a banged-up shoulder and Jared Goff, I guess, because then after that, it's Dwayne Haskins, it's Colt McCoy, it's Carson Wentz with no offensive line in front of him. The defense this year, they thought that they had, I think, created a little bit more depth on their defensive line and giving themselves a little bit more of a pass rush. But the, the big question right now is what's going on in the secondary. And they begin the year, Trey Flowers, a guy who's always been at cornerback, someone that doesn't have the best confidence, he ends up getting essentially pulled out for one Sidney Jones. Cornerback's been the spot where they're really looking like they can be taken advantage of. And I think they were very fortunate that this past weekend in a game where in the first half they really didn't do a whole lot of anything, especially on offense. They're very lucky that the 49ers ran into a wall when Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt and Trey Lance came in. You had some of those rookie growing pains. While Lance definitely looks like he's got a lot of special tools at his disposal, he did not look like he was ready in that game. And, you know, you go back and you watch that 
second half in particular, you have a little stretch where all of a sudden the Seahawks are able to get a couple of scores in a row thanks to some boneheaded plays by San Francisco. They're really fortunate to have gotten away with the win and, and to be 2-2 two and two at this point in time because, you know, if they're 1-3 right now with the way that the NFC West is going, man, this would be a pretty bad spot for them to be in. Paul, let's talk about uh, Jamal Adams. They give him the big contract. He wants the big contract. They get it done. It's a, he's an interesting player because he, he's impactful in some areas. He could obviously blitz. He could get to the quarterback. At least last year, he, was, he racked up a lot of sacks. But it just feels like it's a weird fit where he's not a cover guy. He's a box linebacker that's almost like an extra li- you know linebacker, box safety. What are your thoughts on Jamal Adams, how he's playing? I'm sure he's um, a chess piece McVay is uh, paying attention to when he tries to game plan this game. Yeah, I mean, the good thing about Jamal Adams is that he's so fast and he can basically cover sideline to sideline the field in a way where you look at him and you're like, he's another linebacker out there. But as you mentioned it, he's really sensitive about that, by the way. If you never bring up his coverage, he's not going to be particularly happy. They are still, I think, trying to figure out how to best use him. Last year, one of the best ways that they found to use him was sending him on the blitz. He obviously had nine and a half sacks, and he only played in 12 games. That's the most sacks by a safety that we've, we've, we've seen in quite some time. But if you take a look at the way that the Seahawks use him, there are times where I wonder if they are still trying to figure out how to best use him. He actually did have a play in coverage this past week, but it came on one of those wacky double passes. He was in the same spot as the tight end. I, I think he is a phenomenal linebacker and I I know a lot of people look at the contract that he got and they're thinking to themselves well is he making the kind of impact in the passing game that you would like your safety to have so I think he's a hell of a player but with the Seahawks defense this this cover three scheme that that seems to have very clear weaknesses that off that offenses have I think attacked very well specifically over the middle he's one of these chess pieces where I think the Seahawks are still learning how to use him and you know, honestly, at this point, now that they've had the guy for a season and four games, that's kind of inexcusable. How would you power rank the four NFC West teams after four weeks? Ooh, that is a great question <laughs> because, look, I think Cliff Kingsbury is a dummy. I am surprised <laughs> that the Arizona Cardinals are 4-0 right now. And you know what? you got to give them credit because they have found a way to – take that offense uh, an, an, another step further. And you saw what they just did to the, the Los Angeles Rams. Kyler Murray, if he's healthy, he's going to keep this Cardinals team, I think, in the spot that they're at. I like Kyler Murray more than I like Matt Stafford. And, you know, when, when you saw what happened in that game that just took place on Sunday, it, yeah, you have to put Arizona at number one. I, I don't know that that's necessarily going to last, but because the Rams do have three wins and they have the impressive win over the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and, and a couple of other impressive wins along the way to open things up where Stafford has, has really looked at home in LA. They're number two. The Seahawks have a lot of question marks on defense. And I, I really do think that it's a, it's a matter of they're going to be able to win games against quarterbacks that aren't very good. But when they go up against teams that have good ones, I, I think they're going to have a lot of issues. I mean, shoot, you saw Kirk Cousins essentially dissect them to death. So I got them at three. And, you know, right now with San Francisco, once again, they probably have the most talent pound for pound of any team in that division. But 
once again, Jimmy Garoppolo's hurt. I mean, how many times have we heard this story? And I, I like Trey Lance. I, I think long-term, probably San Francisco's in, in, in perhaps the best shape because I really like what we saw from Trey Lance on Sunday. But I, I think it's pretty clear that the kid's going to have to learn how to be a better thrower. He can't just rely on his feet all game long. So San Francisco, I've got number four, Seattle three. Paul Gallant, Gallant says podcast with us here, talking West Seahawks Rams tomorrow. Let's talk about the game itself. The Rams, two and a half point road favorites. You just mentioned that Kirk Cousins took apart the Seahawks and good quarterbacks might take apart the Seahawks. Well, it's McVay, it's the Rams now with Matthew Stafford, the upgrade over Jared Goff. What's your read on this game? I mean, short week, but you know, betting against Russell Wilson when he's getting points is always feels like a silly thing because he's Russell Wilson and he just reached 100 victories as a quarterback faster than anyone ever. The guy's a tremendous player. But my lean is the Rams tomorrow night. You're closer to it. You've seen all these matchups the last couple of years. What's your thought on this game? Rams, two-and-a-half-point favorites in Seattle tomorrow night. Well, I mean, last year going into the playoffs, after the way that the two teams played in the second-to-last regular season game of the year, I thought the Seahawks were going to mess the Rams up. I thought they were going to kick their asses. <laughs> and then we saw what happened in the playoffs. It was the exact opposite. Sean McVay, 6-3 and three against Pete Carroll. I mean, that is something else especially when you consider that McVay, for the most part, have been winning those games with Jared Goff, let alone John Wofford at the very end of things. <laughs> Goodness gracious. So I, I think this is going to continue. He's got a better quarterback right now. He's got Matt Stafford. And I think one of the things that McVay's been really good at over the years is knowing exactly how to beat that defense. So while some of the things that Los Angeles has wanted to do in the past, not specifically say like trying to run the football and getting to the outside, that's going to be a little bit more difficult for them to do without Cam Akers or really any running back of consequence. But Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, I think, are going to have a field day in this game. And, you know, they also have Deshaun Jackson, who I think could make some of the Seahawks defenders look the same way that they were looking against Washington, excuse me, against uh, Minnesota, where they were yelling against, yelling at one another for, I would say, the majority of the third and fourth quarter trying to figure out what was wrong with that so yeah i think the rams are going to end up winning this game i hope i'm wrong obviously but sean mcveigh has beat carroll's number uh ramsey locks down a lot of wide receivers but does metcalf have uh, as much trouble as he seems to have with ramsey with any of the other top corners around he's the only guy i think cornerback wise in the league that does not respond in a negative way to getting bullied. If you've watched Metcalf, I get a kick out of this. There have been so many quarterbacks who want to fight him. <laughs> Think about how stupid that is. <laughs> it's a bad like, idea. 240 pounds. Right. At Ramsey, to his credit, because it's not like he's the same size as Metcalf, but he's, he's physical. And I, I think there's a mutual respect between the two that Metcalf probably doesn't have for a lot of other corners out there. But Metcalf goes out there. He wants to bully people. And I, I think we've seen Metcalf about as frustrated as he's been. Just go back to that playoff game. There's a moment where you see him on the sideline. He's, he's, all, he's all worked up. He's angry. Ramsey did a really good job of just jostling with him downfield. And I think that's the big thing for Metcalf, that he has to get a little bit better at if he wants to be – one of the absolute best wide receivers in the game right now. He's not the best at making catches in traffic. He's athletic. He's fast. He can blow by people. 
but there are moments where you think to yourself, look how big this guy is. He just got a, he just got to, you know, stick that took us into the, the, the cornerback or the safety behind him. He should be able to box that guy out and make the catch. But sometimes the hands don't always agree with every single other phenomenal asset that that guy has to work with. And Ramsey does a really good job of, of making it so that every single second or as many as he possibly can when Metcalf's lined up against him, that he's going to get pushed and shoved. And for whatever reason, probably because Ramsey's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, but mm-hmm. Ramsey has done a fantastic job against Metcalf at this point. Paul, big picture, Seahawks, um, Russell Wilson, the future, was a big talking point. Last offseason, things calmed down. It didn't become as dramatic as the the uh, Aaron Rodgers situation there. But they do play in a tough division. We know they're they're not a great team right now. We'll see where it goes. They usually have a winning record and usually make the playoffs. But let's just, you know, for hypothetical, it goes sideways. They have a tough season. They have a losing record finally with, with Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson. Do you think all that's in the past, or do you still think if things don't go great this year – that Russell Wilson's future in uh, in Seattle could be in question. Don't tell us it's been quiet. <laughs> you know, like, don't tell us it's been that much better than the Aaron Rodgers situation. Because, honestly, I wanted to pull my hair out all offseason <laughs> long. I, I, was, I was, to be quite honest, annoyed. That's the nicest thing I can say about the way that things went. I mean, Russell Wilson was talking about teams he would entertain a trade to if he were to be traded. Think how ridiculous that is. There's lots of passive-aggressive stuff, and Pete Carroll said afterwards, look, he did one of the worst things you could do. He broke one of the cardinal rules as being a teammate. He whined. He did whine a little bit. So things seem all smooth on the surface right now, and the Aaron Rodgers situation, it festered publicly, and it got worse and worse and worse, it seemed like, where the situation between Russ and the Seahawks after the little quibbles that he made, all of a sudden you didn't really hear a peep from any of them until finally you had a press conference with Pete Carroll and John Schneider there. And then there's this other moment where I think it's the middle of the Pete Carroll press conference and, and, and Russell Wilson sticks his head in there and John Schneider does, and everything seems hunky-dory. But, you know, they have some of the same issues that they've had on defense for basically the past half decade and they find themselves at the end of the year in the exact same spot that they were last year and the year before, where they're a good team, but they're not a great team, and they're out in the first or the second round of the playoffs, you're going to be hearing the exact same chirping again. And if that same chirping happens again, then maybe the Seahawks would be a little bit more willing to part ways with Russ. The the, the big thing, though, that I would say, and this is my advice, I guess, to the Seahawks, who cares what he says? You have him under contract. (laughs) If he wants out, He's got to sit out games, period. And you know what? I think the difference between he and someone like Deshaun Watson before, obviously, although, geez, holy crap, all that stuff that's going on down in Houston. Watson was willing to sit out games to prove his point. I thought Rodgers would be willing to sit out games to prove his point this offseason. He wasn't. The only way Russ is going to get traded is if he has the stones to sit out games, at least in my opinion. That's how I would handle the situation. And I don't think that he's the kind of guy that feels comfortable tainting his legacy, a word that he has said way too many times this offseason, sitting out games and trying to force the Seahawks' hands. However, you know, if, if this season is a lot like last year, then the Seahawks might say to themselves, we're tired of this headache. Amazing. Great stuff. Paul Gallant, this podcast. Joe Ojo G, Aaron Hawksworth. This is Beck QL Daily presented by FanDuel Sports. But coming up next... 
Lightning bets, NL wild card game. We'll look forward to it. Our props, our thoughts on the game, Cardinals, Dodgers. That's next right here on on Beck Hill Daily presented by FanDuel Sportsbook.